everybody. Welcome to Ancient Wisdom for Modern Seekers. And today, our special guest is Swami Satyamayananda. He is the Assistant Minister of the Vedanta Society of Southern California, and he's at the um, Hollywood Temple. And we're just, we always love having him. He's so sweet and kind and wise and funny and smart. So he's a great guest. And today our topic is surrender, the Mm. highest spiritual point. Yes. I think this is a big topic for people, Swami. Yes. I think in the West, our mindset is a little bit like surrender might be a negative thing. You know, like surrender means I give up. You know, white flag, okay, I'm going to do nothing now. Hmm. But that's not what Vedanta thinks in terms of surrender. So why don't you tell us Vedanta's perspective? Yes. It's like, uh, before we can start, uh, it's it's always nice to remember another auspicious, uh, you can see, even that is uh, uh, today's, that is, the birthday of Swami Niranjanananda. He was Swami uh, Vivekananda's brother disciple and Sri Ramakrishna's disciple. And he was one of the special class of souls called godlike. It's called Ishvara Kotis. They descend along with an avatar to fulfill his mission. But he was one of the six. Ishwara Kotis, God-like souls come. Okay, God, when he descends as an avatar, he always brings his own team. He doesn't rely on some other guys. So, uh, thank you for inviting me uh, for this talk on surrender. Uh, I'll just uh, start off with this cue that Lisa has given us that, yeah, it has a kind of a negative connotation, especially in the West. And it's not in the West, it's everywhere. Uh, We have the idea that you've got to surrender, like capitulate, give in, and kind of, it's kind of a submission. And it's, you succumb to something. It is the idea of a defeat. While in spiritual surrender, it is the perfect sign of victory. The victory over the self. Now, if if you remember, there is one scene in uh, in a movie called The Life of Pi. Mm. Oh, yeah. Where that young man who's shipwrecked and is floating in a small kind of lifeboat for days and days and then he sees a storm rising and he knows that this is going to drown him. And it's at that time when he yells to God, you have taken away everything of mine. My parents, everything, my life and everything. And what more do you want? And he's screaming at the top of his voice. What more do you want? Like having a fight with God. And then suddenly the storm disperses The clouds break and the sun comes up. And he knows that he's going to survive. Mm. This is how surrender comes. You are pushed to the very extreme of your resources, of your strengths, of your talents, of everything that you have. And when you know that it's not going to work anymore, it is at that high point when you let go. Now, when we talk about surrender, you see, uh, in the final verses of the Bhagavad Gita, 
Sri Krishna tells Arjuna, give up all other dharmas and seek refuge in me. Mm. And I will lift you up from all sins. So he's saying, Sarva Dharman Parityaja. Mame, you surrender to me. Now, he could have given this nice sage advice to Arjuna in the very beginning when he was so depressed and hurt and he was confused whether he should take up arms or no. But he didn't because he wasn't ready. He had the sense of a self, the sense of the ego, which had to be humbled, which had to be attenuated. So what do we surrender? Yeah, we surrender our will. At many times, you know, we say, oh yeah, God, oh God, I surrender. But my will isn't willing. I'm not willing to surrender. Oh my, oh no. And that's because of that big sense of ego that I have. Now, Sri Ramakrishna gives the example of a bird sitting, sitting absentmindedly on the mast of a ship. Mm-hmm. Like, and then the ship has cast off anchor and sailing. And the bird is still absent-minded. And then suddenly it discovers, oh my God, I'm in the middle of an ocean. And it flies to the east. It finds no land. It returns to the mast. After resting a while, flies to the west. Again, it sees no land. The same thing, it flies to the north, flies to the south. And after exhausting itself, it comes back and sits on the mast once again, knowing that one day, this ship is going to reach land. So it's at that point, after exhausting itself, flying all over the place, seeing no recourse, then it just gives up, gives in. This is actually surrender in spiritual life. Mm. By exerting your might and main, your entire resources that you have at your disposal. When you know that this is still inadequate for the realization of God or for the vision of God mm-hmm. or for illumination and everything. That I think it's, I, sorry to interrupt. I think no. it's really interesting that you, you, know, you gave the example of the life of Pi where the guy's in the boat yeah. on the ocean. And he can't, he can't see any land. Exactly. And then the bird, the story about the bird, he's on the ocean. Exactly. We feel adrift. Yes. We feel directionless. Yes. Right? We yes. don't have the answers. Well, in Life of Pi, he had a tiger in the boat with him, too. So yeah. Was like, that that was even scarier. Yeah. Um, but, but then, then, when we don't have any other place to go, literally, then yeah. we go to God. Oh, yeah. So why is that the highest spiritual point? It seems like when we're at our lowest that we go to God, but I think that it's an important distinction. Yes, yes, yeah. That 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 is that's a that is that's a distinction I wanted to bring out. It is at your highest point that you surrender, never at your lowest point, never. That will never be true surrender, never. You have not been completely defeated in the sense of you've cut down, you've done everything. And yet you have the sense of the self that I want to live to fight another day. No, that's not it. You come to to the peak experiences, you've reached up to that point where now you don't have anything more. And then 
the whole thing opens up. Now, this idea of surrender involves, like I said, the act of will. The will is not, you can say, uh, it's reluctant rather to surrender because it is your identity. It is your individuality. Nobody wants to give up a individuality. In the, if you say what happened in the case of Buddha, he used his will to the very last Yes, but people don't realize that there is a part of the story which is not current or not popular. That at the final phase of his, you can say, struggle, he says, I'm not getting up from my seat until I have realized this state, which is difficult to attain in many lives lifetimes, not only lifetimes, many cycles of creation. So he's using his will. But after a while, after sitting down, he's, he has a vision of his own ego. What happens is, after he was tempted by the four girls or the four daughters of of Mara. Mara is a great tempter. The five daughters are actually nothing but the five elements that make up the cosmos. So each brought its own, you can say, characteristics. Earth brought her characteristics and fire and water and air and space. They all come, they all came one after another to tempt him, to distract him. But that's, of course, that's a long story. But after that, Buddha opens his eyes and sees his own reflection sitting in front of him. And because he had this purified insight, he looks at his ego image. His ego had projected an image of himself. So Buddha says, finally, I have met you. You are pure illusion. No more will you create this illusion of individual existence with the body. I will break that rich pole that holds you. The, that illusory ego says, and it's in exactly, it looks like Buddha. Everything is a Buddha. And they're saying, but I am you. Where will you let go of me? And why should you? Saying, no, you have been creating all these illusions. And I'm going to let you go. And with that clear insight, he banishes the evil. And that's a time when he attains enlightenment. He becomes the Buddha. So again, here you have this idea of banishing of the sense of self, the ego. The false ego has to die. The false ego has created this idea of an individual existence, you, and it has pushed away the divine element within you. In that highest point of surrender, what happens is, it, you do not become empty. You see, oh, the ego goes. Then what happens? Oh, the divine enters. That is the strength. That is the perfect surrender. When the divine comes and possesses your individual existence. That is why it's called the highest point in this spiritual attainment. Because if you do not let the ego go, yet you say, okay, I'm doing God's will. We are just fooling ourselves. Another thing is what happens is when we say everything is no, it's God's will. God's will runs everything. But what do we mean by God's will? 
it is not your will and god's will acting conjointly no god's will operates through you your will has gone away you know sri ramakrishna also said not even a leaf moves without god's will god is aware of even the footfall of an ant obviously he has to be because he is omniscient he has to know everything and it is his will and this thing has been discussed in many scriptures you cannot have a will separate from god's will in creation so in the very first aphorisms in what is called a brahma sutra is saying that the act of creation preservation and destruction of the universe belongs to god not to any individual soul however great yogi that soul might be and then shankaracharya says well because the subject matter of the scriptures is god himself so god is the primeval will okay and this has been elaborated or you can say highlighted in one of the earliest hymns of the rigveda called anasadiya sutra nasad so there it is the will a divine will that is manifest so your will is an illusory separate existence as long as you feel that we are separate from god your your ego your will will keep on operating the moment it goes so how do you start practicing yeah let me just I, I need yes. some clarification here, but let's just okay, because this is a lot. You're giving us a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Buddha, for example, he's looking at his ego. He's meditating. He yes. sees his ego, and he's like, "You're out of here, right?" Yeah. So, yeah. because that we are in these human bodies, we. have to have an ego to operate. So yes. what you're saying is you're getting rid of this false ego. We're getting rid of the unripe ego, right? Cuz that we can't function in a world without some kind of an ego. Yes, it is not only the unripe ego. The ripe ego also. The ripe ego that says, "Yes, I am God's child." i am god's servant i am god whatever you whatever religion i am god's friend even the right ego has to go away your body will function perfectly because right now we think oh it is my sense of self my ego my will that helps me function as an individual but this individuality itself is false at the highest point when you look at this universe it is god who is operating this and god's will is in everything in everywhere so that god's will will run through you and that is the time when you feel yes i am manifesting god's will now how does that work you say there's god's will and there's even there's sense of you can say a self yes till that time when your individual existence which has been due to your past karma runs its course you will know that there is god's will that runs through me but even higher than that is you even dispense that and after you dispense that then nothing remains but god shri ram krishna says no 
Uh, well, when I look inside, I see that uh, you are the operator, I am the machine. You are the charioteer, I am the chariot. I do as you make me do. So it is always <clears throat> your sense of self is simply overwhelmed with that infinite sense of self. Right. So are you saying... Um... The will that we think we have, like we want for ourselves, this is really something that we are superimposing on God's will? Yes, yes. You know, I remember uh, one monk asking a question. My guru was saying, uh, well, does our will even exist? Yes, as an illusion, it does exist. So then we say, yeah, if everything happens to God's will, are we responsible? Yes. Till you do not realize it as God's will, you have the responsibility. Otherwise, as Sri Ramakrishna also said, a sin will accumulate in this world. I will do something and say, oh no, actually it is God who is doing it. I even do. Because all the evil in this world is attributed to God. Why did he create Satan? Or why did he create this, this whole mess of evil? And you blame God for everything. Why you yourself are creating evil? So the sense of self will remain because it will accept the responsibility. But at that highest point, you know there is no good, there is no evil, there is only God. And that is a hell. So a little lower, as I said, you have the sense, okay, God will act through me. Let me give you an example. Uh, actually, not an example, it's actually a fact. It happened in San Francisco. Swami Vivekananda told his brother disciples, Swami Turiyananda, Mother tells me that you should stay back here and work. So Swami Turiyananda smiled and said, Is it Mother's will or it's your will? Because he wanted Turiyananda to stay out here and work. Mm -hmm. So he said, no, it is mother's will. So Turiyananda answered back, have you heard mother tell you? And Swami Vivekananda said, yes, you can hear her clearly. When your nerves have become extremely fine. So Turiyananda did not want any further argument. He just let go. And then he started practicing. Every single moment of his waking life, he was invoking the mother. And sometimes he was so unaware that his invocation was so loud and it was sometimes on the streets of San Francisco. And people used to quizzically look at what is he, what is he saying something? Some, some meaning, something word. He's just invoking the mother. Mother, mother. And one time he's saying he felt that mother is operating his body. Mother's will running through every nerve and fiber and every cell in his body. He could not lift a hand without mother's will. So this is a direct confirmation of his individuality, as it were, leaving and the divine will entering inside. So he made the choice. Oh, yes, he did. He made, he made the choice. And because he made that choice to surrender. Yes. Or, yeah. Then he had that. Switch. Exactly. He had that, he, that, he switched, switched from the little ego 
to the greater, you can say, ego of God. So is it just as easy for us to just say, okay, I make that choice? Ah, you've got to practice it. Yeah, the choice, you, yeah, you start with this good intention. Yeah. And every religion, you see, it's not only one particular religion asking us to surrender. It is every religion somehow has intuited that there is a higher, you can say, will that operates in the world and you can attain that only through the renunciation of your own will. Mm. The idea, like say, in every religion, you have the idea of a sacrifice. Every religion. Something that belongs to you has to be offered. And not only the, the worst things, the best of the things that you ever have, you possess, you have to offer it. Why? Because in thankfulness, in gratitude, or even in the hope of a reward. So you have this idea of sacrifice. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Pervading every aspect of religion. In fact, it is there in every aspect of religion. The idea of sacrifice. And at the highest point, Swami Vivekananda says, in search of wealth, thou art the only wealth I have found. I sacrifice myself unto thee. In search of someone to be loved, thou art the only beloved I have found. I sacrifice myself unto thee. So this is the high point where you had been seeking for something higher. You have been sacrificing and then everything breaks. The individuality breaks. Then you get the infinite. So how does it actually feel? Chiram Krishna gives that example of like a small fish which is in a small uh, water kind of or a tank or a kind of a small pot. When it is released in a pond or in a lake, it swims about joyfully. It's like a small bird in a cage. When the cage is opened, it just flies about. This is exactly how you feel in surrender. Freedom. It's about freedom. freedom. Yes, it is victory. It is freedom. It is liberation. It is everything. It is at that point you suddenly, oh my God. What was I doing all the time? And there it is. It is a great kind of relief for release. And then your actions, you are not responsible for your actions anymore. How? Well, God's will will run through you. It will never let you take a false step. So you're saying, okay, sacrificing our ego, yes. sacrificing our will yes. is basically surrendering. Yeah. And when we surrender, we become free. Exactly. It has well, nothing to do with formula. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And now, how do you practice it? Let's come down to practice. Okay. Now, the Bhagavad Gita says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you say, whatever you work, whatever you talk, everything, do it as an offering to me. It's called Yat Karoshi, Yadasnasi. See, when you're, before you're eating your meals, give God a small thought. You know, we say grace before meal. Say that grace before meal. Say grace after meal. And now you're leaving your house to go to a friend's house. You're leaving your house and you live, oh God, I'm going there to my friend's house. Bring God in every action of you. And as you start bringing God in every action of yours, every karma, as you say, then slowly, slowly, you're bringing God in every thought of yours and every word of yours. 
Start your day with a small prayer. End your day with a small prayer. And whenever you get a chance in the middle, pray. Prayer is a very, very powerful, you can say, instrument of surrender. That's why they say, you know, don't pray for small things. Don't pray like a kind of a shopkeeper, you know. Mm. Oh God, give me more. Give me more money and give me more name and fame. and you know. <laughs> So, it is, you are getting connected with your divine inner nature, with God's. This is important. As you keep on working your way up, you will find, like Holy Mother says, teaching a young novitiate how to do proofreading. Now, mother herself with great difficulty could read but could not write. So, the novice, he smiled and saying, mother is going to teach me how to proofread. And then she says, you know, before you start, like I mentioned, pray. At the end of the work, pray. And when you take a break, again, pray. So what happens is you are now inserting in your daily activities the thought of God. And this is how you begin to surrender. Mm -hmm. It starts with prayer. And that, yes, I'm here. Look after me. Take care of me. And then whenever you have to go to decide something or think something, bring in God. Say, I don't know what is right and what is wrong. You will see that that voice of God, that conscience that has been stifled, that will become more and more active. You will come at a, at a place where you will hear the voice of God within you and that will be guiding you. Even before the final surrender, you will feel that you are guided by the Lord. Mm. Yes. Yeah we, talk, yeah, we talked about this a little bit in church today about um, karma yoga. Mm. I was telling them how you know, there's certain steps. First, you just do the work that needs to be done. Yes. And then you graduate to now you do work as an offering to God. Yes. yes. And in and that, that way, you're training your mind to keep God in your mind. Oh, yeah. And then the third step is you recognize that God is working through you. So you're not oh, yeah. doing the work anyway. It's God's Ooh. doing the work. Exactly. So this is how you proceed. This is you first take responsibility, take all the responsibility for yourself. Don't say, oh, my circumstances, oh, those people, they made me do this. No. Take all responsibility and then now work your way out of this trap that you have set. And then God will take responsibility for you. And know that as the divine power wells up within you, and it operates within you, people will understand this. That there is a higher power working through this person. Inevitable. It's inevitable. It will be acknowledged, recognized, and it will open a new dimension to your own existence. You before the final plunge, you will be uh, like, you know, like the ebb and flow of tides. You will be like, you know, coming down to your own individual existence and becoming accelerated mm -hmm. at having the greater power behind you. And when you flow back to the ocean, they also say, oh, I'm God. I'm one with this ocean. So you, you're constantly ebbing and flowing, ebbing, you're swinging between total self-surrender and yet retaining that individuality, like Lisa was talking about, that ripe ego. And that ripe ego does not hurt, is truthful, and 
in case in case it is god's will that he or she will work through you then that is of course that's a different these people become teachers no no teacher of human humanity has ever become a teacher without god's command or god's power it's simply not possible so the moment you find a guru or a teacher saying oh this is me this is me this is me and claiming all sorts of things stay away the moment you see a teacher acknowledging the power of god within him or her know that that is a true teacher so not i not i but thou thou shramanjana says mm. so at one point then the whole thing becomes the the liberation the surrender the highest point that you as a human being can ever hope to reach so you got to push and push and push and push do it slowly it is more like you know on the lower levels it is more like the breaking up of your illusions you know what in in spiritual life people say what is spiritual life it's only breaking your small individual illusions about yourself mm. why is the struggle and why is the pain in spiritual life because god in his infinite grace is breaking one by one all your ego supports oh yeah and once these are broken then you know this belongs to god my body belongs to god this house belongs to god this table belongs to god everything belongs to god this comes and this has to come before surrender the final surrender yeah i'm working i belong to god this is god's work there it is and the results will be given by god so what what's happening is all the small small illusions about people and places and things and all these things keep on going you must be able to let go yeah Don't i think cling. yeah i think that's a really good point because i think a lot of us especially here in the west there's a fear of letting go because it's like i worked so hard to accumulate this bank account and this yeah. career and you know this house that has a mortgage on it and everything and we we feel like it's mine it's mine it's mine and if i surrender i'm going to i'm going to lose it i'm not going to have it mm. but i understand what you're saying is it's not ours anyway yeah it's god yeah. and if it's we can start identifying each step as yes. This is God's. It's not mine anyway. So I have nothing yeah. to lose. It's God's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's that like the old story in uh, the Bible, not Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. This is exactly what. So it belongs to God. There it is. And this is the time and place when you know your knowledge, you know we talk about a lot of a uh, devotion and knowledge like na bhakti and dhyana and yoga everything actually hinges on this idea of surrender when you are in the process of surrendering your knowledge of god will increase your devotion to god will increase in fact you will be more energetic and work knowing that this belongs to god and i am just a kind of a trustee i'm just a custodian you will work even harder and this is the highest point of all yogas so you become 
a yogi in the truest sense. Here you have concentration and meditation, devotion and knowledge and love and everything is coming. So it's, it is just with the process of letting go. Letting go, letting go, letting go. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lisa, what you are saying is right. You're in the West. Not it's not in the West. It's everywhere. Yeah. But uh, what happens is here, everything has been centered on the individual. But we forget that, as I say, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, actually, the I community. Was gonna, I was just going to use the example of parenting because yeah, you know yeah. we give as mothers we give birth to these little babies. Yes, and yes. we're very protective of them, yes. and yes. but they're not ours. Yeah, yeah you know, it it it's our job to make sure yeah. they're raised properly yes. or whatever. But they're going to be whatever little being they're going to be and grow up and be an adult and be we know they're separate from us yeah you know you know what happens is it is the mother gives birth to a child that's a physical birth and then the whole process of a culturalization is called a, a culturalization it is culture that is the second birth the child gets its, its name, its language, everything from the community. So the individual is important as long as an individual is within the community. It is like, okay, what do you see? A glass half empty or half full? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, then uh, we see. So you have to to understand the individual is individual in reference to the universal, always. So the individual has to kind of sacrifice. So there is another kind of old Sanskrit adage, you say, for the sake of the village, you can sacrifice your house. For the sake of the county, you can sacrifice, you should sacrifice your village. And for the sake of a huge, you can say state, you must be able to sacrifice your own county. And for the sake of the, you can say the world, you can sacrifice your nation. Mm -hmm. So it starts with the small. It's, you sacrifice the small for the greater. And this is that. So for the sake of God, you can sacrifice everything. Yeah. That's where. You, so it is a process where you, you start small, and you end big. It is not a diminution. You are not diminished by surrender. You actually expand and become infinite. And that is what is surrender. It's, it's a culmination. Yeah, yoga and everything. Yeah, and I'm thinking it's almost like when you're ready to surrender, you're pregnant with yourself. Mm. Oh, and yeah, you give yeah, birth yeah. to yourself. It's, yes. You don't lose anything. You gain oh, yeah. Yeah. a higher, your higher self is more prominent. Exactly. Exactly. And this is what you must, you don't lose anything. In the ordinary sense of capitulation, or, okay, this is the truth and this is a kind of a, I'm giving in. In spiritual life, that is that does not happen. In spiritual life, the more you sacrifice, the more you gain. The more you surrender, the more you grow. And as you keep on growing and growing and multiplying and multiplying, there you are. At that high point, you end up as identified with God. Mm -hmm. Your individual will is now identified with God's. And then your will was, was found to be nothing but a reflection of God's will. Mm -hmm. And then that is the highest 
on air. You yeah. got it. You got it there. Yeah. Is it is it easy? In fact, this is the only easiest path for this age. Yeah, because you do it slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby steps. Exactly. Baby, Baby steps. steps. Well, like, okay, in chapter five of the Gita, Krishna always says you give up desire. Desires, basically, you know, and in the Christian um, it, religion, yeah. it's desire is basically the root of all evil. All you know, evil. love of money is the root of all evil, but desire. But the one good desire is desire for God, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. we give up a desire for anything material or anything you know, outside of us to surrender to God. And that's when we get what oh, we yeah. really want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The ordinary desires lead you to the world. It, you know, the world's mazes, it will lead you down there. But that same desire, when it's turned towards God, liberates it is the same impulse. When it goes down to the world, it becomes a cause of bondage. When it goes towards God, it becomes a cause of liberation. Mm. So that is what it is. Don't get into the maze, the ways of the world. Yeah. Get into the way of God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think we that need to have the courage i think it takes courage to surrender oh yeah oh yeah that's what I, it's not meant for the weaklings no it is it's meant for the very very strong i i never emphasize this adequately but it's 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 meant for the extremely heroic it's not meant for the weaklings you see what happens is only a weak person is an immoral person. A strong person is never immoral. A strong person is truthful. He is compassionate, loving. So only the strong will get this. Because the weak have that kind of deception always. They're trying to deceive. They're trying to corrupt. They're trying to cheat. They're trying to kind of escape. But it's a strong, that person who's, he or she who stands, then, so surrender is meant for the strong. And only for the strong, yes, but you can, all strong people started weak. Because you know, they say every saint has a past. He was a kind of, he or she was a sinner. So every, every sinner has a future. So, it is exactly this. No one is left out. It is how much you can put an effort, how, how much you can struggle, how much you can sacrifice. That will lead you to it. So, can you do it quickly in this lifetime? Oh, yes. It is perfectly, perfectly possible. Yeah, again, it comes down to you must have the will. Must have the will, you must make the choice. Yeah, make the choice. But do you want to stay imprisoned or do you want freedom? Simple. And like you say, it can be little by little baby steps. We don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. So uh, it depends on how you think of God. You know, generally, the Srinivas has said, uh, you know, what happens is actually, mm, uh, whatever your conception of God, it is a higher entity and higher power. You, we generally personalize God. And that's natural because we are persons and we personalize God. And, it's, and that's what actually leads us to him, to adore, to mother. And there it is forming a relationship. Sri Ramakrishna is very clear. First, in spiritual life, you form a relationship. I am God's child, or I am God's friend, or I am God's servant, I am God's lover. This is important. Without that, 
initial relationship, that connection, you will not be able to build on it. So after that, then you start becoming, yeah, God is mine and I'm God's. I belong to God. Yeah, I feel I'm God's child. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice is when it's really comfortable, yeah. you know, that you get that relationship, you get that comfort from God. Oh, yeah. And you also get the strength. Strength, you get strength. You, you, you really become strong. You really become whole, actually. You are right now fragmented, and later on, you find yourself integrated. You become whole. That's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if you could give us, like, three things to do, three little homeworks that can help oh. us, that can help us surrender. Ah, <laughs> Bring in the idea of the divine in your thoughts, words, and deeds. Okay. When we have all our individual, you can say, thoughts about people and places and things, think a little deeply apart from the superficial view that we have of things, look a little deeply and find where exactly those things are misleading. Mm. And once you dispensed with that misleading aspect, learn to trust that person, place, or thing. Because trust to trust somebody is difficult. Mm. But it can be done because you can know that person better and you can know yourself better when the illusory, the expectations and all the grandiose thoughts are all removed off. So you, you begin trusting people and places and things and there's a kind of a childlike simplicity that is required. Mm -hmm. Sri Krishna says, you know, those who are simple, they have practiced a lot of spiritual disciplines in their past births to come to a point. To be trusting, it's a really, really great thing. So, and that happens when you you can see things in a more clear way. Like Buddha, he saw through his own ego. Mm. But that is what. And the third thing is, this very process will make you strong. Do you feel strength increasing as you live day to day? Mm a kind of a tremendous self-confidence comes to you. Learn to recognize that self-confidence as a result of the process of surrender. Mm. Oh, yes. Good. Yeah, these are the three things. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Good recipe. So we all have homework to do and everything. Ah. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions before we close out with a chance? You could just raise your hand or speak up or however you want to do it. Put it in the chat. Yeah, I actually do. This is okay. a little strange. Mm. How can, um, because God is infinite, eternal, all, mm. everything. How can our, even if it's our ego will, it is not separate from God. Yes. Ultimately, we are not separate from God. And that's the illusion of separateness. What happens is in Advaita Vedanta, it's called the one becomes the many. In the Upanishad, right. it says, yes. I am one, let me be many. Right. Okay. So the many partakes of the nature of that one. It is inseparable. So once you recognize 
it is the one that has become the many then the idea of separateness goes away what happened it's like well you carry on living your life your body operates your mind operates your senses operate everything but within you there is a sense of infinitude you will feel vast you will feel that you could love the whole world yes when you can when you have that feeling then you know that your ideas of separateness have left you okay we are part of it and what hides us from that reality as i say a thin veil has come between me and that reality and you're supposed to rip it open yeah there you are then when you find that it's not only i was separate everything in this world is inseparable from god right right and all the living beings and plants and trees and animals and everything in this universe a part of that whole it will give a tremendous sense of kind of you know, freedom oh my god what's this yeah <laughs> that is what the scriptures say that you got to reach here your individuality you know swami vivekananda used to say your individuality is constantly changing yeah if it does not change then you know that you have got a taste of the universe ah there it is yeah. because you're saying if if a person is an individual where is the individuality in the body no in the mind only partially it's in the yeah. sense of self yeah now what happens is when you say this sense of self is constantly changing it's mutable right so this cannot be your individuality there has to be something deeper there constant yes ah. constant right constant exactly that how you understand thank you yeah that makes sense too because our will changes all the time you know yeah, we want yeah. one thing then we want another and we're going to do it this way then we're going to do it that way or whatever but if yeah. you listen to that still small voice within mm. listen to god's will and just say god use me yeah. point mm. me in the right direction i am yeah. your instrument mm. then it always works out it it has to work out and that's the only way things work out yeah ah. beautiful thank you swami so much thank you swami oh, ji we you. love you can you thank do you. a chant for us yes om prasato ma sadgamaya tamaso ma jyotirgamaya mrityor ma amritam gamaya Om Shanti 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 Om from the unreal leaders to the real from darkness leaders unto light and from death leaders into immortality Om peace 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 Beautiful thank you so much And thank, thank you, you everyone for joining us. Thank you. I'll let you know what's going on for next month because we might be uh, live from Camarillo with Swami Sarvadevananda. Ah. Oh. So I will let you guys know what the scoop is, but we're just playing it by ear right now. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Anu, beautiful. Yes, I'm sorry so nice. I joined late. No, so nice to I see you. It. Yeah, better late than never. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>